What is a pelvic floor therapist? There's a whole doctor dedicated to my vagina? We're talking with expert Sarah Chan Reardon about how it all works and, and, well, all that scary stuff down there. <laughs> You're listening to TNA Talk Sex. I'm T. And we have our guest host, Laura Somoza from Between the Sheets. I'm a co-host A. <laughs> yes, yes, you're filling in for the the A part of TNA. That sounds good to me. Yeah, exactly. A little booty in the house. Ooh, very little. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are on the petite side. Well, I was going to say because I'm Mexican and we're known for our wide hips and flat butts. Really? So, yes, that's, that's a true. Mexican thing. It is a Mexican thing. I'm dating a Mexican guy right now, uh-huh. and I, I need to give him the grope to be sure. Yeah, I don't know so much of with the, with the guys, but I know for me, I have to wear a belt all the time because my pants fall down because I have no ass. <laughs> I am the anti-Kardashian in every way. Ah. <laughs> wow. Well, so my my mom's Colombian. So I, but I don't think we are known for that. No, we don't have the flat. No, butts. I think it's a Mexican thing. If you go to if you go to my uh, any family situations there, you will see that we are totally assless. <laughs> it's a thing. I don't know what to tell you. Do you have you ever felt insecure about it? No, no, not so much. It's just I'm in a constant. My boyfriend always makes fun of me because I'm in a constant state of pulling up my pants. <laughs> yeah. But is there so? Oh, go or ahead. Or that's Sarah. actually a really common thing after having a baby too. Like your underwear goes up to the middle of your back. So. <laughs> well, I don't usually wear underwear, but it really is a thing. Of like, I feel like I'm one of those, uh, you know, gang members where it's like my, my pants are going down to my ankles. <laughs> Yep. So just avoiding the underwear altogether prevents any... Exactly. There you go. Yeah, I'm just well, cutting out the middleman. Sarah, what, <laughs> there, is there actually something that happens? Why is your butt flatter? I think during pregnancy, women can just get really deconditioned just from not exercising as frequently oh. and things just start going down south. And also <laughs> your collagen and your tissues change, so everything just starts getting a little sadder (laughs) (laughs) maybe there's a different way to describe it so not sadder Sadder. but just um maybe looser in a good way like you know to be loose and and liberal is like a fun thing no (laughs) oh i know for me i'm a runner yeah i'm a runner so my butt goes well i did notice when i'm exercising my butt muscles bigger versus not and this has come up for me. I actually have larger breasts. That's why I'm T on the show. Uh-huh. And I'll get, um, I feel like a lot of men I've been with will will compliment my butt, which is nice. Who doesn't want to be complimented? But right. I'm like, hello, did you rub your face in my breasts yet? Like, <laughs> like hello, like, I want the compliment there. Yeah. <laughs> Motorboat. Yeah. It's, it's like a weird, it's a weird sensitivity. I'm like, how is that better than this? You know, anyway. Well, you're the full package. Thanks. Yeah, I know. I will like, totally rub my face I just wanted to brag boobs. about yes. how I have big breasts, but my butt is also really good. Butt really awesome. Oh, it's all good. Oh, my God. It's all good. So we are here to actually talk about <laughs> Oh, wait. We have serious. stuff to talk about. Yeah, yes. we do. We do. Um, so, Sarah, I wanted to just uh, clarify exactly what you do. So a women's pelvic health therapist. And you also have this really wonderful Instagram page called uh, The Vagina Whisperer, um, The Period Vagina Whisperer. And, uh, and it... And it gives helpful information to women about their pelvis. Yeah, that's right. So I uh, am just spreading the word about uh, all of the great ways you can take care of your vagina. I most recently focused on pregnancy and postpartum just because that was the life stage I was going through. And I have a lot of friends and girlfriends and um, uh, clients and whatnot who are going through the same stages. So I had all of this great information I just want to share. So I just started that account and it's really growing. It's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of information out there that we don't have access to. I mean, as I said in the opening, like, I never even before starting the show, didn't have a full understanding of the fact that you exist, like this kind of information. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I knew I, I mean, I've talked to some friends of mine that have had children. And, you know, I think people, you know, it's one of those things where people just don't talk about, but occasionally, you know, because I have crazy friends, too, that, you know, will share all kinds of information, but it's like, things can fall out. And, you know, you can be in a constant state of laughing and peeing at the same time, you know, long after you've had children. And it's really one of those things. It's like, yeah, I don't really know what to do about it. So right, right. (laughs) they need people like you. Right. And so I, the other, the interesting thing is things can fall out, but things also can't get in. So, um, you know, I think it's where as a pelvic health therapist, I'm, you know, helping women and friends and girlfriends all the time. And, you know, they're having questions about like, oh, you know, after I had my baby, I 
was having a hard time going back to having sex or pelvic exams were painful or tampons started falling out or couldn't say it. So <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really these things that you're so right, Laura, nobody's really talking about. And so um, it's really awesome that you two women are out there um, and we can all kind of spread the good word about how to take care of our vaginas. Yeah. Because I think too, it's, it's another one of those situations where if you don't know anything about it, you feel like you're the only one that's going through it. And you feel like right. oh, I'm not normal, there's something wrong with me. And it's you can you can you go into this kind of shame spiral. If you don't realize that you're you're not the only one this isn't, you know, this can be a very normal situation, but there is help. Right. And that's, that's the thing If people there if we're not talking about it, then we don't know what is out there to help help us, right. So then right. you don't know there's physical therapy or acupuncture, or chiropractic or craniosacral therapy or, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, well, huh? <laughs> Crinal what? <laughs> so I mean, just uh, different types of complementary and alternative medicines to help, you know, women at different stages in their lifespan. So yeah, can you unpack a little bit for me your role as a pelvic therapist? Like, what does that encompass? Because also to call it a pelvic therapist sounds so clinical. And I'm like, that's the vagina, right? Yeah, right. Right. That's, you're totally right, Christina. So um, I always describe the pelvis is, um, is a ring of bones and at the bottom of your pelvis is a basket of muscles. And those muscles are called your pelvic floor muscles. And um, as a physical therapist, I specialize in muscles and tissues and bones. So I just specialize in treating that area which is responsible for sexual function. Um, you have the opening to the vagina and the clitoris. Um, you also have um, the urinary and anal sphincters, which are responsible for um, holding in urine and then relaxing when you need to void, and then um, also holding in poop and then relaxing when you need to poop. And, and these muscles also support your organs. So as Laura mentioned, things can fall out with weakness, with age, um, things like that. So I just focus on this group of muscles and this group of bones, which does include the vagina in that area. Yeah, because I think most people, when they think about uh, you know the pelvic muscle, they just think kegels. So right. when you know when you're talking about this, it sounds like there's there, there's much more that's going on that that people aren't aware of. I'm I'm just curious, how'd you get started in this in this particular field? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, you're like I, I, I wanted I, to be it since I was a little girl. I know, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a really great story like this happened to me or. But it didn't. I just, um, in graduate school, we all do our rotations and we do some in pediatrics and some in sports. And there was one in women's health. And I said, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Like you understand more about your body as a woman. And then I did that rotation. And, you know, on that clinical, you see your first vagina and you're like, oh, it's, you're like a deer in headlights, you know? And then, <laughs> I mean, you're really just like, okay, uh, that there it is. And then after that, it just really, you start just looking at it like another part of the body, which it is. It's like working with an ankle or an elbow um, or a knee. And so I thought, you know, this is really cool to be able to help people with something they didn't know there was help for. Mm -hmm. Most people were coming in saying, I've never told anyone this before, or I saw, you know, three or four physicians before I got to you, or I've been having this for years, I didn't know where to go. And so it was just really personally rewarding to be able to help them through things that are so important, like leaking urine or leaking stool or not being able to have sex and therefore not being able to have babies or not being able to consummate your marriage. And um, so there's just a variety of things that kind of encompass pelvic health, but um, it really affects everyone because we all have pelvises and every woman has a vagina. So um, it's really, you know, 50% of the population were out there to, to help. Well, you also mentioned uh, that you work with men, which was, in, you know, I know this, we were focusing on the vagina right now, but uh, that, that, that this pelvic muscle thing comes up for men as well in different ways. Yep. You're so right, Christina. So I do work with men as well. It's really the, the anatomy is almost the same except for the penis <laughs> and the testicles. Um, but big the muscle. Fan, big fan of both. <laughs> we all are. Um, they, um, the muscles are pretty much the same. It's just the outside genitalia is different. So men as well can have um, pelvic pain. They can have pain with erections, um, pain with ejaculation, um, erectile dysfunction. They can also have constipation um, or fecal leakage. So the same musculature with the same functions just in a male. Um, and then also one of the more common things I see as men is um, after they have their prostate removed due to prostate cancer, they tend to have urinary leakage and erectile dysfunction. Wow. Mm -hmm. so that's also a large portion of the, the patient population I see. I was going to ask erectile dysfunction. Do you, that, is yeah. there a lot of 
is is that often an issue that can be worked on through pelvic muscles, like doing exercises with a therapist? Yeah, I mean, it can be. I think it just depends on what the uh, what the cause is. So it could be um, a vascular issue. There's something wrong with the blood flow. It could be a neurological issue with um, nerve function. But there is a muscular component there. So we absolutely work with men who um, have erectile dysfunction. And it's actually due to their muscles being too tense. What I see a lot in men is like they're sitting a lot, they're stressed out, they're weekend warriors at their gym, and their muscles get too tight, and therefore they're not able to um, maintain erections or um, they may have premature ejaculation. Wow. Is is that because it restricts blood flow or? You got it. It really like you can't, I mean, it's all about the blood flow. So if they can't, if those muscles are too tight and they can't, you know, maintain that penile erection or... Um, maintain that blood flow in the area, then that's what can lead to it. So massage your dicks, guys. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, pelvic massages, right? Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, Sarah? Ooh, massaging the area. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I wish it was as sexy as it sounds, guys. But, <laughs> but it's. Um, we do. I mean, as a pelvic physical therapist, I, um, I, you know, do internal vaginal and rectal massages. Mm-hmm. So. Just like any other muscle, if you had a knot in your shoulder and you rub it out, it's, mm-hmm. if someone has tight, tense muscles, I insert my finger in the vagina and I do a trigger point release or I gently massage the tissue to bring blood flow to it to help it relax. Um, I teach them how to do that at home using different uh, types of tools, something called a crystal wand or a thera wand, something called a vaginal dilator. So we teach patients how to do it on themselves. And then I do a lot of just relaxation, meditation, down training, you know, really teaching people to kind of let go of muscles that are tight or tense and how to carry that throughout their day. Can I ask you, and and maybe this is a delicate subject for you as a medical practitioner, but something that comes up for me, I'm going, it feels like there's this line of the minute that there's pleasure involved that's a bad thing, like in our society, almost like, okay, you're this doctor, and it's sort of divorced from that. And, and here's these medical ways of handling it. Um, but I guess I think I what, what am I saying? <laughs> when when we're talking about these areas, like I've, okay, in in a pleasure capacity, I had a, um, a tantric massage where I was penetrated <laughs> with a finger in that way to create release and relaxation and pleasure. Um, and I also, um, And I also think about sexual encounters I've had where men who really know my body are able to create release, like a release through those pelvic muscles. And it does create an emotional release. It does create, um, you know, I've experienced these sort of like waves of emotions that come up because of that muscular release. Um, Mm -hmm. And and then to add on that, I, you know, actually, (laughs) I love Burning Man. I had such an amazing experience there. But this one guy, I was having bad menstrual cramps. And he said, let me give you a let me give you a massage top, you know, topically, like on the surface, rubbing out the area above your, you know, the where your uterus is to relax those muscles. And I and that was also the first time I'd encountered that. So not in a medical capacity. Um, and I wish it had been through medicine, like what you're doing, Sarah. But again, like I didn't know about that. And I met these people who had that knowledge and made my yeah. life better. Yeah, absolutely. So it's so interesting you say that because I think that often in the medical community, it's viewed as the absence of pain versus the um, presence of pleasure. So just because someone is pain-free having sex doesn't mean that that's necessarily the experience that they want to have or that's what their goals are, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you bring up a great point, Christina, that it's really, I mean, I always say sex should not be painful. So I'm trying to just get them to baseline, but I think that there's just this entire world out there of um, which you ladies are both um, a, a part of, where they you really do like sex should be pleasurable. It should be sensual. It should um, it should be something that feels really great versus just something that you can tolerate. And I think that that's where there is such a bridge um, that's missing between the medical community and I think just society in general. You know, it's interesting. I had like an exterior uh, pelvic massage once from somebody, and it was extremely emotional i had no idea it was going to happen yeah. i just see her getting a massage and all of a sudden i'm like sobbing mm-hmm. out of nowhere i was like yeah what is happening 
it to me. Yeah. And I thought, totally. and he's like, no, just go with it. It's fine. You just had to get that out. There was just some sort of like emotional thing that I had been holding on to. And then I thought, okay, I need to get the hell out of here because that scared me. I had no idea what was wow. going on. I went back like six months later to see if it was just some sort of fluke. And then the same thing happened. So apparently I had been holding on to something in this particular region. And it's just amazing to me that, you know, areas that you hold on and tense up in your body that you can, you know, it works magic in ways that you have no idea. So I, th- yeah. I think, you know, the work that you're doing can release things in ways that you don't even understand. You're totally right. So first of all, I want to know who you guys are hanging out with where you're getting all of these pelvic massages. Because I'm not going to have like, I don't know. Here, here pelvics are us. I know. California, baby. Just exactly. On Amazon. I'm not walking around the streets of Dallas giving out pelvic massages, and I'm really envious of that. Well, to be fair, a female friend of mine also, I had bed cramps another time, and she had a background in, in massage. And she said, oh, get on the floor. Stop talking. You know, because I was complaining, you know, and, and she gave – and. These were the first that and that other time at Burning Man were the first two times that I had someone offer that. Mm -hmm. And it was so beautiful. It it was actually emotionally um, powerful. I mean, unforgettable for me because it was so sensitive and tender and generous of them. This was a massage at Burke Williams Spa. I'm not kidding. There you go. There you go. Yeah, who knew? They're like, oh, yeah, is it so-and-so? Yeah, he's really intense. It's like, yeah. Yeah. But I'm, anyway, I'm so glad we're having this conversation for anyone who's listening, too, because, like I said, I mean, these were almost accidental things I stumbled on. And then I, I also think about people that I have had sex with where it's almost like a side effect where you have this mm-hmm. emotional release because they're yeah. penetrating you, right? So they're hitting the muscles in that area. And um, and it made me think about how in my youth, you know, people would talk about, oh, women that cry during sex. And you're like, oh, that crazy lady or whatever. Right. And, and then I'm going, well, I don't often cry, but I've had moments where I cried. And I've also had moments where I start laughing spontaneously. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like, I'm like, it's a huge emotional release. It just is. And yeah. I think the more we know that, the more we get to enjoy the the pleasure of that. Right, and, and not second-guessing yourself about it, just be, yeah. be present. Yeah, and just be like, woohoo, I cried. Yeah, got it's some, like, it was got a some roller coaster, out. man. <laughs> Ooh, that's a ticket totally. ride. Yeah. There is such a connection. I mean, it, there's such a connection. And it's really this whole mind-body connection that we all talk about. And I, I, I think this for, for men and women, that there really is such a connection to the pelvis. I mean, this is where it all starts, right? This is where we become we where we're delivered earth side and and there's so much that tie that's tied to this with respect to menstruation and puberty and then um marriage and consummating a marriage and then getting pregnant i mean there's just so much that's tied to this area and then just our daily bodily functions you know peeing pooping so um ground and zero, uh, baby ground zero yeah exactly just <laughs> out of the pyramid stuff and so but the thing is is that nobody's talking about it i mean these are things that we all do but I so there's almost this like shame that can be um, kind of centered in this area. I wouldn't even that, say almost. I would think that there's a shame that's attached to it for a right. good majority of people. Right. And so I think that and and, and if there's trauma in that area, too, I mean, yeah. the, the, so there's studies that show that, you know, one in four women who have pelvic pain have pelvic pain. And the majority of those women or a certain percentage of those women have also had sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. So there really is such a link between these things. And so um it's not just the muscles that I think it's really important for us to focus on, but it is that mind-body connection that I think any really good therapist is going to take a step back and, and focus on the whole body and not just those muscles. Do you, in, your, uh, in your work, do you also discuss with your patients uh, their past? It, you know, when you're talking about sexual trauma, is this, does that come up as well? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes up. I mean, I definitely know my limitations as in I'm not a therapist, so right. I'm not qualified to advise them. But if they... I do ask every patient, you know, have you ever experienced sexual abuse or trauma? So, um, and then they can offer that information if they'd like or not. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I do. And then I also think once you, you're with a patient, it, you have a relationship with them. I mean, I see them once or twice a week for about an hour each time. And it's like having coffee talk. I mean, my finger's just in their vagina, hanging out, pushing around. <laughs> As one like, does. Yeah, we're just At Starbucks. talking about family, you know, so, um, and sex and life and jobs and so and things come up. And so there is even just, I think, an emotional connection and release that people will start to share things with you that they'll say, I've never told anybody this before. 
So um, it does. And I've had patients cry very frequently in, um, in, in our visits, during our visits. And it's good. I'm like, get it out, girl. Yeah. Like, this is where you got to do that stuff, you know? So it's, it's good. When can I ask you, you mentioned that, right, you, that you work with men and women, but that you decided you wanted to focus on women at some point, right? So now that's kind of where you're dedicated or? I mean, I definitely still see men. I don't think that there's enough. Um, a lot, a lot of that has to do with, I think that it's also an underserved arena in pelvic health that men are not getting the care that they need necessarily, or they're not finding the doctors in time either or getting the therapy in time. So I, I really love working with men. I think just through my own personal experience of having children and then um, getting pregnant and then having children that I, I really, my passion is really with focusing on women. So that's the direction I'd like to keep going. Uh, I have a question for you. Do you work with gynecologists as well? I'm just wondering uh, if you give them any uh, direction or or advice or. Absolutely. I wish I could give them more. That's what I was thinking because (laughs) I I know that uh, there's probably gynecologists out there that could really benefit from your expertise. Yeah, we definitely, we have a great group of uh, OB-GYNs down here, obstetricians and gynecologists that uh, we work closely with. Um, I wish it was more. Yeah. Um, I would say the community, I think you would make a great team. Yeah. The community in the birth world that really we connect mostly with are doulas and midwives. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, just because they tend to take a kind of more um, natural, holistic approach to uh, pregnancy and childbirth. But I'm, I see it in the obstetric world as well that, you know, doctors are saying, hey, you know, we see a role for you. Can you... Um, can you come in and help these patients? I just wish it was always sooner and I wish it was more frequently, but it will get there. I'm, I'm confident we'll get there. Cool. I just, so, um, yeah, yeah, no, I just was thinking about, um, no, I, I know I lost my thoughts. Terrible. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Um, I would just want, I'm this. curious. Think, go ahead. Think about when you go see your, for your annual exam, right? Like do your docs ever ask you like, how's your sex life or are nope. you having any pain with sex? No, or I, are you, nope. Are you leaking urine at all? Nope. Or, yeah. To be honest, I've had bad experiences and I now am very tense and I have to ask them to hold my hand. And then I recently had an experience where like they didn't get it. And I was like, I need someone to hold my hand because I'm so tense. You're not gonna be able to get in. And I'm bringing that up because um, it was it was it actually started from like an HPV test where, you know, there was more pain than I expected and all that. So now I'm not very trustful of someone entering in that Mm -hmm. in that capacity. Mm -hmm. And it's actually like a muscle memory problem. Do yep. I logically know I need to relax? Yeah, but I can't. And um, and there isn't a- enough sympathy or like a warm environment catering to that. Right. Um, and I actually, if anything, I you know, I have a sex show. I talk about it. Uh, I directed vagina monologues, like all this stuff. I have to be honest, I don't explore down there a lot. Like I, I'm almost intimidated by my own entrance. <laughs> I don't know. Really? Uh, what, yeah. what intimidates you? I know, know, but you know, sometimes I wonder about it. I don't like, I don't know what I want to say. I I think I feel like I'll talk with even like Laura, I feel like you have more of an openness about it or, um, or even friends who have explored more when they were younger and were, were like interested in, in that, in having their body part, right? Like this integral part. And I feel like I always, I've always masturbated like since a young age, Mm -hmm. but I never like explored it. I would just like do the thing like with my clitoris and then and like avoid the entrance. And then my period was a big deal for me too. Like I was just sort of freaked out by it initially when I was younger. And, um, and I always think about how like men that I'm with, like know me better than I know myself down there. Mm. Um, you know, what's funny is that I, I wouldn't say it was like a love hate, but uh, um, I appreciate my vagina more um, when I'm with somebody who like, is really madly in love with my vagina, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> because it just, if someone is like the president of my vagina fan club, then I'm like, yes, you know, this is like this treasure property, right? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and well, it's funny too, because it also depends, it, I like, am like a real, like mad crush on my, you know, the badge right now, because uh, I went from like different, waxing styles and i went from like the regular i like, kind of like you know happy v or whatever and then like kind of like a little brazilian and then i just like took everything off and, and after i did that i was like oh 
that's adorable. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It, like you're able to see it more. Yeah, exactly. And I just there's something about that where I'm like looking in the mirror going, because first I was like, I don't, you know, I always want to look like a 12 year old, not an eight year old. And then I'm like, uh-huh. fuck it, I'm doing I'm going eight. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going pedophile. And I, I, there, I don't know what it was, but there's something so freeing about it. And now it's like, it's so soft. And you know, I just don't know what it just was. Nice. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it was just finding my own style. And mm. then, you know, and then seeing, seeing it through my boyfriend's eyes, too, where he's just like, wowza, you know, and I was like, I know, right? Wowza. So uh, just throughout time and like the older that I get too is like the more accepting that I get mm. of my own body and that's just like the, again like a ground zero so uh I I don't think I paid much attention when I was younger but you know I'm 104 now so <laughs> it just it just changes you, had a you long know relationship with your vagina yeah so the older I get the less fucks are given so yeah you know. well you hit on something Laura that I like I I, I feel like there's lovers that I'll have that I'm I'm more acutely aware now of if they have issues around my vagina or they're not extremely enthusiastic I a will kind of go okay I don't it know mirrors. how yeah. well yeah, it can mirror exactly yeah. and and so in order to prevent it from affecting me and my self-esteem right it's like oh what is your issue with it and you pro- and like you as in the other the man that I'm with I'm mm-hmm. heteronormative normally uh uh what is what is their um their own issues and usually they have their own sexual fear and and narrative running in their head um and i think it's important to like separate that so that you don't so that it doesn't affect you and your self-esteem because there's nothing wrong with you yeah yeah and um yeah i yeah i totally agree with that christina like i I really think that i mean i'm super comfortable with vaginas i'm super comfortable (laughs) with my own i mean i see I've seen hundreds and thousands at this point. I feel like I want to see hundreds of thousands so that I can like <laughs> love them in this new way. There's an artist who made a wall of vagina molds. He did molds of women's vaginas. And I was like, wow, they're all like these unique flowers. They all mm-hmm. look like different orchids. And I don't, I, I've never seen that many, right? I've seen more penises. Uh huh. Anyway. Which is also great. I mean, a wall of those would be great as well. So. <laughs> yeah. <That's, laughs> but it's, um, you know, I think it's a relationship. Like I said, the first time I saw someone else's, it was a deer in headlights and now I can see my best friends or my sisters and I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just a vagina, you know? And, and I think they're much more uncomfortable than I am. So, um, but it definitely the person that you're with, I mean, if, if they're kind of tense or guarded or, you know, it, it, it definitely affects us. And so I think that that's, um, we can find ourselves being a little more, like you said, insecure about how it looks or smells or tastes or whatever versus somebody who's just like whatever and completely comfortable. And I think that puts us at ease a lot. So, yeah. Well, I have this one memory of just owning it where this one guy who we were really excited about each other and, and he didn't go down on me for a while. And I was like, what is going on? And then I thought, well, maybe he's just inexperienced. He was on the younger side. Mm-hmm. So I finally just sat on him. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. And then he was really good at it. Like, like breaking one of news, the best. man smothered by vagina. Film at 11. <laughs> no, I said, I said, you know, I just I just flipped over. I was like, 69. Cheers. Here it is. <laughs> and I think I had so much fear around rejection up until I said, you know, like, I'm sexually experienced. Like, who are you to, do-? you know, I was like, hey, yeah. I don't know if you know, but this is part of the sex act. And I'm going to go down on you really well. And you're going to do it to me at the same time. And, uh, and it was like game on. Yeah. And then he was really good at it. And so I think sometimes we forget like that that person can be excited about it, even though like they might just have fear around it themselves. Well, yeah. Speaking of, I was with somebody, I was with a boyfriend in my 20s who never went down on me and I was like, woof the fuck, you know? And so I finally, I was just like, um, dude, you're, you know, and he didn't even really like getting blowjobs too. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening here. Yeah. And he was just really Catholic and, you know, grew up with older sisters. So the whole kind of vagina thing is like, ah, scary. So yeah. I, I, that was really one of the big reasons that we broke up. I'm like, I cannot live my life without oral sex. I'm really sorry. Wow. But this is not happening. And I knew that it had nothing to do with me and my fabulous vagina. So, but it really was one of those things like, I, I'm not, yeah, no way I'm living this way. Sorry. Well, I think what's um, unfortunate to me, what comes to mind is that he's cut off from allowing that pleasure. Yeah. Like that, that actually back to the kind of sensual experiences and allowing everything to flow and, and how it's just an extension of pleasure mm-hmm. um, as, well, as much as you would kiss the neck or the lips and then make your way down. Yeah. 
And, you know, fly be free. I hope he's happy. I'm sure that he is. And, you know, maybe he's changed. And, you know, that was back in 1922. So who knows what's going on now. But, uh, you know, I I also knew, like, what my needs and desires are. And and, uh, owning it. Yeah, exactly. So, Sarah, you were going to say something? Yeah. So this is, you know, I think this is really where I started in pelvis health is seeing a lot of women kind of in this life stage where they were getting married or they maybe had a religious background or family belief system or a cultural belief system that sex is bad, you don't have sex, um, you know, you just don't do it. And then all of a sudden they get married and then the next, you know, within the next 24 hours, it's like they're supposed to just like, okay, sex is great. Let's have sex. Let's make babies. And so there's, there's just. And be good at it. Yeah, and, and enjoy it. And there's so there's this whole mental component that, like, all of a sudden they're supposed to flip this switch. And that's really where I started seeing a lot of women having pain with intercourse when they got married and they weren't able to have intercourse at all. And then they would go years and years. And then it affects your relationship. Um, you know, you may want to start a family and you're not able to have children if you're not, able, if you're not having sex. And so it's just this whole um, kind of cascade that these beliefs really play a role in kind of our relationship with our vaginas and then our relationships in our, you know, marriages or with our spouses or partners and um, our families and kind of down the line. So it does make a big difference, you know, and then I think having an understanding partner um, who can stick with you and stick by your side because it can, it can be, I think a lot of women feel really inadequate when that's the case for them. Yeah. Do you work also with the, the husband or, you know, with couples so that, that, uh, you know, maybe that that uh, the the partner can help in some way. Yeah, for help, sure. Yeah. For sure. I always say it's great for, and it's such a great sign. I think when partners come in, even to the first meeting, or they they're willing to come in for a future um, visit. For sure. I mean, I'll get them in there. I'll show them, hey, this is you know, this is. I'll turn the lights on. We've got like. There's one therapist who wears like a headlamp. <laughs> you know, like coal miners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, like we're, we're going down deep, y'all, you know? So, um, but and show them, like, hey, this is the vagina. And it's actually a pretty powerful moment for the couple that I would think this so. woman is so exposed and, and, and visible. And then he's really looking at it, you know? And, and then they will. They'll, I'll teach them how to do internal vaginal massage. I'll teach them how to work with the, the woman to use vaginal dilators and insert the dilators. and. I really try to incorporate the partners as much as they're comfortable so that, because it, it is a relationship between those two people that um, we're working on. It's not, and the relationship with the woman themselves. So. That's what I was thinking. That would cool. be pretty amazing. Good yeah. question. Guys, we're going to take a little break. Uh, just a short one. Um, I just want to remind everyone that uh, Sarah has this really awesome Instagram t- um, channel page, no, Instagram account <laughs> called The Vagina Whisperer, The Period Vagina Whisperer. Uh, Sarah, you're located in Texas, right? I am. I am in Texas right now. I'm originally from New Orleans. Right. Which so, is how we know one another. So you can definitely find her online, at least. And if you are in Texas, you can look her up and actually, you know, work with her. Um, and uh Sorry, Sarah Chan Reardon, give you to do your full name. And um, and then, of course, our wonderful guest co-host, uh, Laura Somoza from In Between the Sheets. Sorry, um, Between the it, Sheets. Yeah, it's Between the Sheets with Laura Somoza. There's a Facebook page for that. Uh, it's also laurasomoza.com. Or you can also find me on the Twitter at <laughs> Laura Somoza. And that's L-O-R-A. I'm phonetically correct. Okay, you guys are listening to TNA Talk Sex. And uh, before I do take the break, I just want to say that this episode is brought to you all by our newest sponsors, BioClarity, which is a skin cleanser and acne treatment. And um, honestly, I've been using them for the last month while shooting this movie where... uh, the character actually doesn't wear any makeup, God forbid. <laughs> and I'm like, can we just cover the bags under my eyes? Uh, but I've been uh, using the face wash and my face is baby smooth. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, definitely from BioClarity. So if you guys want to use our code TA Talk Sex, uh, you can get a discount at BioClarity.com. So again, the code is TA Talk Sex. And I'm looking right at her and her face does look like a baby's butt. It's baby's butt smooth. Like, it's totally so is. good. Okay, wait, this is gross. But, like, one guy on Instagram was like, can you use it for butt acne? Um, this is embarrassing. I had a little zit there, and I remember reading his comment. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use this salicylic acid on my butt. <laughs> totally worked. <laughs> totally worked. <laughs> I will have to see that at the break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll right. do a butt check. I'll report back. Exactly. We'll be right back. You're listening to TNA Talk Sex.
Welcome back to TNA Talk Sex. Uh, if you all were listening earlier, I was pitching you on BioClarity, <laughs> my my smooth ass face, uh, which is bioclarity.com. You can use and the her code smooth TNA Talk Sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my smooth butt too. <laughs> Wherever you've got little bumps, I mean, oy vey. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, just really loving the uh, the chlorophyll gel that you put after, which kind of evens out any redness on your skin anyway with those scars that get left behind. Uh, moving on, I actually wanted to ask you, Sarah, about your work in pelvic therapy. We're talking with Sarah Chan Reardon, about, um, who's a women's pelvic health therapist, also works with men. Uh, and I think Laura from Between the Sheets with Laura Somoza podcast. Hello. Hello. Uh, we are fascinated by Absolutely. like your wealth of knowledge, Sarah. Yeah, I have a question for you too afterwards. So. Okay, cool. Um, I was I was going to ask about like something that's coming up, of course, is uh, and we and I actually sorry, I just did a show with um, Heather Brooker from Motherhood in Hollywood. And we talked a lot about sex and sex after birth. And it seems like I, I have conversations with men all the time about how they want to have sex with their wives and their wives are not as enthusiastic. And of course, there's okay, we get it hormones cause issues and so you're not ready to have sex after birth but say it's been a year it's say it's been two years and and that's not coming back to me when I read the articles you've written Sarah I'm going oh my god there could be so many issues that aren't being addressed I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about about those and and how maybe maybe at the root of why women aren't jumping to have sex again with their husbands is is in there yeah maybe women that are listening would say like oh yeah, that's that's what's going on. Oh, that I relate to that and that too. Maybe I should look into this. Right, like rather than just oh, I'm stressed and tired. Right, sex bad. Right. Me no want. Right, and maybe you don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great question, Christina. And I think like, no, just looking at the bottom of the pyramid again, it's like you're exhausted, so you're sleep deprived. Your hormones are all jacked up. For the first six months, you likely want to divorce your husband. So once you get past all of those things, then it's like okay, my vagina is supposed to be healed and I'm sleeping now, but I still have no desire. And I think one of the really things that um, I encourage them to do is to even just start with self-exploration because it's an area that, again, was kind of just so clinical and medical for a, a while. You know, you're getting pelvic exams and you delivered a baby and you could have had stitches or tearing. And, um, and so I, I really just start with even just like what feels good to you now because your body's a different body. Is it maybe you still have clitoral stimulation before and now you, it's vaginal stimulation or maybe you like this toy and now you like something different. Um, but I, I would encourage them to just like check it out themselves, take a mirror, see what it looks like, and then start feeling yourself and see what feels good. And then I think that helps kind of bridge the gap to their partners because then they can start saying, okay, this does good. And then they can start working with their partners to buy them. Um, and it's also like almost getting back to exercise, like you don't do it for a long time, you kind of just lose interest, and then you just don't feel good about it, and it's just going to be really hard. You just have to start somewhere. I mean, part of it, women now are so focused on kind of getting back to their normal. It can take time. There's, it could be six months, it could be two years. But you really do have to start, um, I think, just trying and exploring and see what does feel good and sensual and what doesn't, and then um, kind of grow from there with your partner. It's kind be- of the process of that. I think, no, you make, I think you make a really good point that there you have to allow the fact that there's going to be a new normal. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's you know, I get a lot of questions a lot from women like, oh, is this going to, is my vagina stretched out now? Or there's some fear, you know, there's some fear with, you know, I've delivered a baby. Is my vagina like loosey goosey now? Or can my husband feel me? Or, you know, there's still, there's still a lot of insecurity there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there could also just be some issues. They could have pelvic organ prolapse where there were, their bladder or uterus or rectum are literally kind of falling out of the vagina. They could have urinary leakage and they have some concern about, am I going to leak when I have sex or am I going to leak with my orgasm? Um, am I, gonna, I mean, I had that issue when I was pregnant. I, you know, peed on myself during an orgasm. And I was like, God damn it. Wow. I mean, I've heard that. I've been told that women can I wait, 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 that's like, like mind blowing to me because by the way, being pre birth, right? Never, I've never had a baby. Um, for example, I know women who will flood 
some people have this misconception that it's urine, but it's not, right? It's actually just um, an ejaculant, I guess you'd call it. Right. Um, uh, and in fact, I've been told, oh, I feel the orgasm coming on and it makes me feel like I need to pee. Right. And and my boyfriend goes, push into that because that's going to reach your orgasm, yeah. right? And so many yeah. women I know will go, oh, I, I held back then. And you go, no, 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 yeah, lean yeah, into yeah. that, right? So you're saying yeah. that during pregnancy, it, it can reverse or it can do, it can kind of cause a you release? You actually be peeing. <laughs> no, I mean, this can happen. This happened to me even before I was pregnant, but I re- recall it specifically when I was pregnant. I was actually on my baby moon. <laughs> So my husband and I was like, that feels warm down there, you know, and that's my husband. He was like, yeah, that's, that's pee, you know, and He's so, like, um, yeah, you had asparagus, didn't you? Wow. But <laughs> is it, is it, I guess I'm just curious. I mean, are we sure it wasn't just sort of what I call like the flood, like an ejaculate, like no, from you pleasure? Can, you can totally have female ejaculate, but you can also have, it's called climacteria and it's, um, leakage of urine when you're having an orgasm. Wow. And it's really that your bladder and your muscles just aren't coordinated because typically your bladder should be relaxed when your muscles are tense and your muscles get tense when you are having an orgasm. Right. And okay. That would really give that pleasure sensation. In this case, your bladder is contracting and, and you end up, you know, expelling urine during that orgasm. Okay. And then my question would be, should you care as a woman? And then what do you, and what do, you do about it when it happens? I was definitely embarrassed. I mean, I felt embarrassed, but I mean, it's, I know my body and I was like, oh, that's unfortunate, you know? And so it's just kind of like, we talked about it and we kind of laugh about it. And, you know, the second pregnancy, we're like, all right, is that going to happen again? You know, so it's, and I think that that's just me and my personality, but I do see, you know, men, I mean, I'm sorry, not men, women in my, you know, clinic that have the same issue and it's very embarrassing for them and it can keep them from wanting to have an orgasm or wanting to have a sexual relationship. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, so, my thought was, my only fear would also be almost like a bacteria thing, like wanting to clean it really quickly, like after, is that, you know, it's like, okay, it happened, we're embarrassed, but say you get past that, hey, let's stop for a moment to just clean it up and clean, like rinse myself and and then maybe we go back to having fun. I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, urine's sterile, so it's not, um, I, I don't worry about, it's actually kind of good to, you know, urinate <laughs> after sex because it flushes the tubes, you know, so any bacteria is out of you. So, but I think it has more to do with just an embarrassment, embarrassment thing, yeah. but it, it's also something that we treat, you know, in my, in our, it, with pelvic PT, you know, I know how to kind of coordinate my muscles with my bladder and I teach women how to do that and I can, I work on myself so that I can have better function too. So, so it is something that can be helped. So what you usually do then is more of like a working with the muscle therapy for something like that. Right, 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 right. Can I ask, so talking about all that where you're, where you're like, okay, these women have had a baby and then you're saying, okay, ease back into getting to know yourself and finding your new normal. I, I mean, even listening to it, I, it brings up kind of what I was saying, like my own fear around it. And I think, well, if I've got fear around it, you know, women who haven't done a show for two years on sex, right. you, you know, what's the first step? Like, I, here I am. Okay, I guess it's having the courage to act on it or maybe seeking out a, a therapist like yourself, but to have someone who could help you with, with getting comfortable with it again. But it seems like right. there, I, yeah, there is an action that needs to be taken after you've had birth to kind of get you comfortable with your partner again. Right. And so, and so one thing I'll say to that, Christina, is that if you have pain, if you're going back to intercourse after having a baby and you have pain, that's an absolute, like, shouldn't be painful. Don't push through it. Ask your doctor or go see a therapist to get some help because it shouldn't be painful. One of the things that it, it could even be as simple as, gosh, I, I have pain with sex, but it could be because your hormone levels are different and your vagina is dry and it feels like sandpaper. So you need a great water-soluble lube or some coconut oil and see if that helps. And it could be that simple. So I think um, pain is not is never normal. Now, when it comes to even just being pleasurable, enjoyable, again, that takes it to the next level. And I think the first thing I always encourage people to do is just start talking about it because that makes it real. But then that also puts you on the path to solution, like talk to, and I don't always think that some physicians have the best approach. They can be like, Oh, drink a glass of wine, relax. It's normal. And I think that's a, it's a bullshit response. You know, Um, that's completely dismissing someone's experience and um, saying, Oh, it's just, you just need to relax Um, where there could actually be something that needs, you know, real treatment. So um, I think talking about it, talking to your partner, talking to your girlfriends, um, talk to your therapist, talk to your doctor, and then you can kind of get on the path of um, finding out, you know, what is the cause, and then you know how to how to solve that. Hmm. Yeah, I tell you what, in college, I had my first yeast infection. 
I didn't even know they existed at that point. And I was like, my vagina's on fire. And I, <laughs> I was like, maybe I need to take this a cottage cheese. No, exactly. Well, it hadn't gotten that bad yet. And I took a shower and it's like, it wasn't getting any better. I'm like, well, I rinsed. Like, you know, and I grew up with my father. You know, he, I, when I got my period, I told, you know, he took me to the doctor. Anyway, just insanity. <laughs> um, and, in the ER. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, well, he, he thought it was a kidney stone. I'm like, I don't know. My back's cramping. <laughs> Just absurd, but supportive and loving. Yeah, I'm lucky that there was no shame around it, but it was just comically like neither of us could target the problem, right? right? So here I am. Yeah, yes, here I am in college, going, I don't know. Finally, it hurts so much. I tell my new best friend, my vagina is on fire. Like I don't know what's wrong, and she said, Oh, you probably have a yeast infection. I said, What? She goes, Yeah, yeah, we'll go to the, we're going to the, you know, let's go buy a kit. So anyway, I love I love that advice of like, look, you feel like feel something, say something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, again, like I think w- when we talk some of it, you know, I think we can talk about just being sensual, like, you know, they don't want to have sex with no desire there, but it also could be a very real medical issue There there could be scar tissue down there. There could be um, infection. You know, there could be hormonal imbalances. So there are real medical things, too, that can occur quite commonly that um wow. or contribute to that like anorgasmia yeah. yep absolutely mm-hmm. and that has a lot to, we see that as well when you aren't able to have an orgasm it a lot of it can do with muscle tension mm-hmm. and nerve wow. function so yeah it's, it's you know it's pretty crazy oh yeah sarah i read in one of your articles about about nerve entrapment which i was yeah. like oh I, I I mean, how, can you talk what that is yeah so sure so um nerve entrapment think of it like when you hit your funny bone and you get that like sharp shooting pain down your arm no thank uh-huh. you <laughs> Yeah, I know. But in your so, vagina. But, ah! but that is right. Your vagina and your rectum and your clitoris. No. You know, same stuff happens. I know. <laughs> uh, no. So there's a nerve called the pudendal nerve that kind of courses right between your, your sit bones and it, it um, the nerve endings go to your vagina, your vaginal opening, your clitoris, and your anal opening. And if that nerve gets entrapped, it could be in scar tissue. It could just be in tight muscles. It could be, um, you know, cycling. I see a lot of cyclists who sit on their bums a lot on the saddle. Wow. Yeah, and it compresses that nerve, and that could cause um, not only pelvic pain but urinary and bowel dysfunction and sexual dysfunction. Oh my so, god, my hymen just grew back. I know it. <laughs> oh, that hurts. It sounds like it's actually when it's doing its job, uh, your major pleasure source, right? Um, so, if yeah, something so goes it, wrong with it. It's not only not pleasurable, but it can be extremely painful, extremely painful. Yeah. Right. So. Wow. And, um, and would you say that birth can cause a disruption of that? Like, is that a common thing? Absolutely. Or? Absolutely, Christina. So what it, it can be from scar tissue, from an episiotomy or a vaginal tear. It can also be because of the position of the legs. You know, we're women are still in this country lying on their back with their knees up to their ears. And that puts a stretch on that nerve that could cause like a traction injury and cause some dysfunction afterwards. Uh, so, um, yeah. And then, uh, so it's, you know, I coach women in my practice on how to, the best positions to deliver a baby, you know, oh. it's typically sideline is where you get the most tearing, um, how to relax your muscles so that you don't have to hike those legs way up, how to push properly, all of those things to prevent injury and trauma during the, the birthing process. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wait, so Sarah, you just had a baby not long ago. How has that <laughs> I, affected your kind of awareness of everything you've been teaching? And and which position did you have a baby in? <laughs> so, um, so I've had two and both of mine were fast and furious labors. The first time I got to the hospital three minutes before the baby was born. And this oh, last, yeah, I last time I got to the hospital 15 minutes before the baby was born. Oh, so um, I'm you know, I'm, my stories are a little bananas. Um, I practically have them in the hospital driveway, but, um, I deliver lying on my side. I don't have an epidural. I don't have any, um, interventions. I go totally natural because I think that, um, our bodies really tell us what to do if we just listen to them. I think if we just let them do their job, they work really well for us. And, um, the less interventions you have, the less likely you are to have a C-section too. So I just kind of, with my knowledge, I mean, chose those paths and I've been really fortunate. Um, but with that being said, I was like, fuck, I'm peeing on myself when I'm pregnant. I'm peeing on myself during orgasms. I have pooping problems. I, so, you know, sex was painful. So I was like, I know all this stuff and I still have problems. And that's where I really started, um, wanting to educate more and, you know, um, using social media as an outlet to just get this info out there because I know it all. And yet I still have issues 
And a lot of people don't know this. And so I'm wondering, what are they going through? That's wow. true. Uh, I, I had a, uh, one of my uh, close friends was doing, wanted to do like a natural birth and, you know, was in labor for 11 hours and finally her doctor, oh, yeah i mean like really painful and her her doctor finally came in and said this is not working at all we have to do an emergency c-section and i know that she really wanted to have that natural birth and sometimes it just doesn't work that way i mean your body's going to do what your body's going to do at some point so right. yeah know. well right i think and and um in general, I always I love even what you said, Sarah, about knowing that your body does tell you, but also knowing, you know, giving like you have permission to do what's necessary for the benefit and health of you and your baby, like, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, you know, any, anyway, yeah. but um, no, and that's I mean, I delivered in a hospital because I, I am in the medical field. And I do think that there's a huge role in that. And I was like, that could be, you know, I may end up with that. And so I needed to be prepared for that, too. And, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of expectation on women, you know, if you go natural or want to go natural or want to go vaginal and not C-section, but, and there's like a lot of, um, there's just a lot of, um, like judgment that one is better than the judgment other. And yeah, one's better mm-hmm. than the other. And there's just a lot of disappointment. I feel like people yeah. feel like they didn't do a good job if they didn't deliver the way they wanted to. And that's just all pressure we put on ourselves. You know, it's all, we have enough pressure and um, it's unfortunate that that's become one of them, that there is judgment associated with that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at like, the end of the day, you don't really have as much control over that as you'd like. No. Yeah. yeah. Just hashtag get it done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get her done. Get like, it out. <laughs> in, yeah. In theater, they have the saying, you know, um, done is good enough, you know, and which is that anxiety. If I want it to be perfect, I want everything to be perfect. You know, the this is crooked. Like we can't open the show until it's right. perfect. And it's like, like, hey, that baby's coming. So yeah. as you know, be I grateful it came out alive well my cousins told me their wild birth story where she ended up um having to have a c-section she is petite i'm not sure if that was related to it but the you know wasn't able to do the natural and went into the c-section but then started hemorrhaging uh they had to yeah they had to like press down on her to prevent the bleeding i mean you know she's screaming (laughs) like the husband's screaming (laughs) everyone's panicked i'm laughing now only because they were laughing about Uh it telling the story she's now pregnant again you know ready to go do it again so I think the fact that she wants to have another child is really powerful. Uh, Frankly, I I actually would like to bring this up as someone who hasn't had a baby. I I won't lie, Sarah, I'm reading your articles and I'm going, really good information. I'm (laughs) terrified. May adopt now. (laughs) Yeah, the the phrase vaginal tearing. I'm like, oh, Um, episiotomy is like, oh. Take it with a grain of salt because I see when things don't always, like I see pelvic floor dysfunction, right? There's a lot of like right. totally fine shit out there. And right. They don't, they don't come in to say how awesome everything is. Yeah, I mean, they're, <laughs> to not, brag. They're, not, they're, not, they're not getting exams by me and I'm like, yeah, everything's good. You're good to go. You know, it's like. I'm jealous of your vagina. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's, uh, I, I think most people have a very normal, healthy delivery and they do fine. But some people don't. And even small things that we think are normal, like leaking or um, constipation or, you know, that's really where I'm like, you know, there's little tips and tricks I can help you with or um, that can make it easier or better so that you don't have to just deal with it. I just had, I'm on a thread with a bunch of uh, my girlfriends and, you know, they had this whole conversation one time about, you know, the the joys of pregnancy or, or afterwards. And mm. a bunch of them were talking about how, you know, even years afterwards, it's like, yeah, if I cough or if I sneeze or if I laugh too hard, you know, a little pee will come out still. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do they just wear liners or right? It's like just remedy the problem, right? Just address it head on and Really, you haven't asked them <laughs> or just change their underwear you know yeah, yeah. well I feel like you know Laura you mentioned not wearing underwear I don't I don't wear underwear very often either and um I suppose that has to shift a little bit at that point you're like wait a minute I don't want to pee on the dress so I'll wear right. underwear with the liner you can and- just safety pin and you know a panty liner <laughs> to your vagina so, yeah, exactly. as one does there's I tell people, I mean, just put it, you can even put a tampon in your vagina to like support your urethra so that you don't leak or there's a new pair of um, undies out called uh, Icon undies that it's has a panty liner like built in. So it's just, you don't even wear a liner, you just wear the underwear and they have, you know, thongs and briefs and, and you know, boy cut briefs and all kinds of cutesy stuff where you don't have to have a pad anymore. So um, it's like, cool. yeah, they're really coming out with things that are um, help support women with these different 
symptoms that they're experiencing and, and have them be functional. I mean, some people don't leave their house some people stop exercising and that sucks. So right. we want to be able to help them do the things they want to do. Yeah. And I, I noticed too, I mean, it seems like society's changing a bit because you do see these commercials now for, you know, incontinence problems or something like that. So it's, it's not so much in the closet or, you know, th- there's more discussion that's out there. So, you know, you have to appreciate that. You wouldn't mm. have seen that like 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, I love also that just talking with you that there that there are solutions to it. I mean, you know, you mentioned the Kegel exercise thing, uh, Sarah, like in some of your articles. I mean, I was surprised at how you mentioned doing it like the day after birth has value um, for blood flow. Yeah. I was wondering if you could yeah. talk a little bit. Yeah. About it. Yeah. I mean, I remember I'm, it's so funny cause I'm like, shit, I've got to practice what I preach. And so like, I'm in the hospital, you know, and I'm like laying in bed and I'm like, I've got to do those Kegels. Um, but it's really, you know, it's just a muscle contraction. And so just like if you were to have, um, a surgery on your knee, you would get therapy where you start moving that muscle. I mean, moving that, that joint the next day and trying to promote blood flow and promote healing. And it's the same thing for your vagina. So um, you don't feel a lot when you're trying to do a Kegel, but you're just trying to, again, connect mind and body and get blood flow going to that area to help heal any tears or scarring um, that could be down there and um, just promote muscle function. You know, I mean, this is like a muscle like any other. If you don't use it, you can lose it. So you want to you know, keep it active. Mm. I kind of want to reappropriate the, the Kegel because in some ways I feel like there's such a societal, like the first way we hear about it is like, keep your vagina tight for sex, like right. almost yeah. for the man in a way, like this yeah, idea. I think and it's so, kind of like, it's become like a joke. Yeah. And become also like an anxiety, like, oh, is my vagina tight? I need to, but, right. but, but in fact, Kegels are good for you is what I'm hearing. Right, Sarah? Like do it, yeah, do absolutely. it for you. Right. Do it for yourself. For you. More pleasure for yourself and... <laughs> Well, More pleasure, just, right? I think it helps with that, orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> it helps with orgasm. And it's also, that's the muscle that holds in urine and stool. So if you have leakage of peeing and pooping um, or you have pelvic organ prolapse when your organs start to drop down, that's the muscle that helps keep everything supported and, and closed so that you don't leak or you don't have um, prolapse. But there's also overdoing Kegels where your muscles get so tight or tense that you have difficulty you know, a penis has difficulty penetrating or a tampon. How or... can you over Kegel? Is that a common oh, thing? How, what, what, at what point is it over? How many are you allowed to do a day? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Because yeah, I was just doing them and then I stopped doing it when you said this overdoing it. I'm like, oh my God, I have to stop Kegeling. You're talking about it, so I started Kegeling and then you said it, I stopped Kegeling. I know, you and I ke- were on a Kegel uh, uh, root you know, so, um, system together. Yeah, I mean, you can totally over Kegel. So it's, it's like a... <laughs> Another. It just can get too tight and, and it needs to be relaxed. So, um, like I said, you know, the people who have pain, it's typically too tight. Um, people who can't empty their bladders or can't poop well, it's typically too tight. And a lot of people just hold their tension in that area. Just like, you know, you always say like a tight ass. That's kind of what it is, you know? So, um, they a just literal tight ass. Literal oh, tight God. Tension. Claire I can't I like poop. Why? I giggle too much. <laughs> no, take it easy, ladies. Take oh easy. shit! All right, so casually, maybe at breakfast, do some kegels, but leave it at that. But only fifty. <laughs> Twenty-five 50. in the morning. Right. Call it a day. Twenty-five a day. Uh, I have a question for you. Um, I want to know. I, I'm assuming that you probably work with women in menopause. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that and wh- what's the difference between that? Yeah. So there's a huge, um, during menopause, I think one of the, the biggest things is the hormonal shift that's yeah. occurring. And um, your estrogen levels will typically dip, and that will cause the tissues to kind of, they say atrophy, but um, they just aren't as plump and juicy as they used to be. So you can have, yeah, you can have um, decreased lubrication in the area so your vagina can feel dry. And then that can also cause discomfort with intercourse. Um, it can cause urinary leakage because you don't have that support of the the musculature. So there's a lot urine- of peeing going on right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, um, and and that's that's not uncommon with just aging in general. But um, there's a really great physical therapist. Her name's Michelle Lyons, and she's based out of Ireland. And she um, does a lot of education on menopause and pelvic floor health. And she's a really great resource specifically on that because there is there are so many changes that are going that are going a woman's body is going through. Wow. Can I ask, uh, being someone who hasn't had a baby yet, do you have any thoughts or advice or, or kind of like 
pelvic muscle um, prep. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's even pre- for babies, but like, okay, like I, I didn't have a baby, and I, you know, I don't know when or if I'm going to have one. You know, do, are there concerns or things I should still be conscious of? You know, down there for my own health and maintenance. Yeah. So first, don't be scared. <laughs> I mean, it's like you're. So don't be scared because it's it's a really natural part um, of a, a, an experience to have one. So all this shit that you read, like Sarah's, like all this stuff's going to happen, and it doesn't always happen. Um, but I think the thing is, is I always want people to know how to pee, how to poop and how to push. Oh, do tell. Yeah. So if you, to pee, you just need to sit down and relax. You don't need to strain. You don't need to bear down or power pee. Um, don't hover. You need to sit your butt on the seat and just relax (laughs) and like, let your bladder do the work for you. Um, cause the bladder is a muscle that will actually push the urine out. Um, for pooping, um, I don't know if you guys are aware of what's called a squatty potty, but it's a little stool you put under your feet and so that your knees are elevated and it actually puts you in a squatting position. Oh, I saw and those. I yeah. I, saw, I actually um, saw a cartoon of one. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually will change your life. So um, I, you know, put a stool under your feet so that your feet are elevated. Um, put and a you're stool kind of, under your feet so you can stool. Merry so Christmas, stool for stool. Laura. Yep. That's, that's my gift to you. I'm gonna, I yeah. get you, a, you know what? My birthday's giving them a little out. sooner. So, okay. okay. Here it yeah. comes. We actually, we had two at our white elephant exchange this year. So they're really, they're really becoming a hot item. <laughs> but, um, and then when you bear down, when you try to push poop out, don't hold your breath. I always say blow out like you're blowing out birthday candles. So that you <sighs> think I do hold my you, breath. Yeah. And that, that will blow out your pelvic floor. So oh. you know, exhale. So that, yep. Mm-hmm. So, and then when you, for having a baby, I always say when to, how to push is that, um, you also need to exhale. Cause think of it like you're pooping out a baby, right? A lot of people hold their breath when they are pushing a baby out and that can cause prolapse and hemorrhoids and weakening of the muscles. I mean, mm-hmm. women are coming out with their eyeballs like bloodshot because they were holding their breath and pushing so hard. So, um, you know, knowing how to pee, how to poop and how to push, I think are the, the three biggies that I really wish women knew just um and they were educated on consistently this is a random non sequitur but uh i i know that at least back in back in my day when my or when i was <laughs> born i know that they would give women enemas before they went into labor do they still do that or just women just Some people poop do. on the on the baby <laughs> you poop i mean you poop um i pooped a little bit it was no big deal um and you don't even care there's so much stuff go- i didn't care i mean there's so much stuff going on that um low on the priorities yeah, yeah. low on the surprise i mean there's everything's just out there so, um, but yeah, they, women, some women may give themselves enemas, um, but it's not standard practice anymore, but you will, some people will poop and I don't think it's that big of a deal. Wow. Uh, Sarah, so you decided the more to, more you us- know, folks. Yeah, exactly. I think we're going to, we're going to wrap up. I, uh, just wondering, you know, you decided to have a second baby. <laughs> so, so your experiences, I don't, I guess I would love for you to comment on, you know, the positives and the, and kind of, you know, you feeling prepared and going through all that and saying, yeah, ready to do it again. Yeah. So, um, the, that's really what this, this, uh, vagina whisperer account was about. It was like, all right, we're going to do this. And we're just like, we're going to walk through like all the stages of your vagina, even to the point where you can't see it anymore. And you're trying to shave it. And you are like a blind man in a dark room. And you're just like, what's going on down there? You know, I mean, it's like, so, I mean, just really shedding light on everything that your body and you're going through during that stage. But, um, no, I mean, I've been really fortunate. I, my deliveries went really, um, well, they went fast. Um, my, I had no tearing, um, during either of them. I think that has more to do with genetics and luck than it mm-hmm. maybe has to do with like, I'm such a badass vagina. <laughs> so, I, mean, I don't take credit for that, but I, I did do a lot to, you know, prepare my body. I stayed active. I did a lot of yoga. I did um, perineal massage to help soften the tissues of the vagina to prevent tearing. Um, I mean, I knew how to push. Um, cool. I knew how to push. So it, I think it just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not the same down there, but it's better in a way. Like I know, I know my shit. I know what's going on. Like I feel totally comfortable with it. I mean, I birthed these like two beautiful boys and I think a woman's body's pretty damn awesome and um i'm just you know i'm impressed with what i think what we can do and i think that's why people keep having babies that's great um it's totally worth it yeah has that made you less self-conscious i mean i know there's a lot of body changes right but is there is there a pride in it also you're like yeah i have there these is. 
There is. I mean, my husband is just like, could you put some clothes on sometime? You know, like, and you're like, you know, no. <laughs> I'm, my friends are hanging out because I'm nursing and I just like walk around with no clothes on. And it's, I, at the I grocery like, store. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm totally one of those moms who's just like whips out their, their boob at any moment to, uh, you know, to nurse my baby. I don't have a problem with that. But um, there is a sense of pride because you really feel like, damn, I, I did this and it's, it's pretty awesome. You know, um, I don't love it. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't love being pregnant. I'm really uncomfortable and really uncomfortable. And, um, you know, labor is very painful, but then it's all over. It's all temporary. And then you kind of, you know, go back to your life and your body. And um, it's new and and different, but I think it's better. Cool. Um, So if people, I'm sure there's going to be women that are listening going, okay, this sounds like something that I need or I want to look into and maybe they're not in Texas, or maybe they are, so they want to find you, but they also want to find places that they, you know, to look up someone like you, where would they go? That's a great question, Laura. Um, I think there's two great resources for finding a pelvic health therapist, and one is called the Herman and Wallace Pelvic Rehab Institute. Um, They're an educational institute, but they um, support physical therapists, and there's a physical therapy locator on their website. It's hermanandwallace.com. And then there's also um, the Women's Health uh, Physical Therapy Association. So that's a national association of women's health PTs. It's um, www.womenshealthapta.com. And um, on there is also a physical therapy locator. So you can go to either of those and they'll, you know, look up your state, look up your zip code, and they'll um, show you the PTs in your area. And what I would do is call them and say, you know, do you do internal examinations do you do do you work with pain do you work with pregnancy and and make sure that you're you've got a good one because we all have different levels of training but um they should absolutely do internal work if they're a pelvic health therapist Mm -hmm. and um you know and also you need to find somebody you feel comfortable with like these are intimate parts of the body yeah and i you know so if somebody's not comfortable with me i'm like let's find you another one like i'm not here to be your best friend that's great if we are but i'm here to help you find the resources you need to get better. And if that's not me, then I want to find somebody else who can help you. So um, I think you want to trust that person and feel really comfortable with them. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty strong level of intimacy. So if you're there and it's not going to help if you're tensing up with someone (laughs) that's trying to help you relax. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. That's true for your your, uh, pelvic therapist and your relationships. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Details, details. I know. Uh, it's a good way to tell if you're if you trust them or not. Mm-hmm. If things are tensing, maybe it's a red flag. Red flag. Yeah. Run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on that note, thank you so much, Sarah Chan Reardon, for being with us. Uh, you all can find information um, at her Instagram page, the dot vagina whisperer. Um, and Sarah, you have a couple articles as well online, right? And uh, and yeah. a blog. I do. So um, I actually, I, I don't have my own blog. So I, the reason I do Instagram is because it's pretty quick and easy. I'm not like super social media savvy, but um, I, there's a website called Little Mother's Helper and I have written a couple blog posts for them. And there's another one called Get Mom Strong and I've written some blog articles for them. And so um, I just do it kind of um, pro bono just to get the word out. I support these two women who are doing these projects and um, they've got some really great information out there. So um I, I just write blogs for them and, and put the info on their website. So cool. it's on there. And uh, Laura, thank you for joining us again. It is my pleasure. Always so much fun. Yes. Um, so you can find Laura's own show about sexuality. Um, yeah, at- I'm on iTunes at uh, Between the Sheets with Laura Samoza. Again, that's L-O-R-A. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Laura Samoza. Super easy. And um you know, I'm around. I'm hopefully uh, you'll be coming on my show pretty soon. Yes, yes. yes. So much fun. Yes. Uh, and yeah, and of course, you already found us. You're listening to TNA Talk Sex. You can find us on social media at tatalksex.com. Uh, that's our website. Uh, I said social media. So Instagram, tatalksex. Uh, and of course, I mentioned our BioClarity um, promotion. They're sponsoring us right now. So bioclarity.com. You can use our code tatalksex. Uh yeah, thanks again. This is episode 137. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Nice. Because sex isn't ever just about sex, y'all. Cheers. You're listening to TNA Talk Sex. <laughs>